Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. It's good to be in the house of the Lord and um, for all of those who are online for safety reasons, um, that's good to have you. And again, as Robbie says, thanks for inviting us into your home. Um, the 21-day fast that we're talking about on the 10th of January, starting the 10th of January, running through to the end of the month, I'm going to be running or uh, writing some resources for that and some ideas and how you can do that, different ideas to try and help. So we'll uh, give that to you next time. Next week, we'll probably do the same thing again. We'll do one service at 10 o'clock because the schools won't be back in then. And we've run our kids' ministries sort of in parallel with what the schools are doing. And I know schools will be going back in the day after, hopefully. But um, it's sort of a day-to-day thing. And so we'll just run with one service again next Sunday at 10 p.m. without our kids' ministry. And then hopefully um, after that, we'll be on the 10th, we'll be kicking back in full swing back to our two services and the kids' ministry. Um, we just... I, I, I Wanted to talk to you this morning around some of the year-ending things. It's been a bit of a peculiar year, weird year for everyone involved. And um, I suppose trying to think of a title this morning, I couldn't think of anything better than we've made it. (laughs) Um, It was the best I could come up with. We've made it to the end of 2020. Um, What a year it's been. Um, Some of you might feel that the year has been a bit like this chap, all right? This chap here, who um, you'll see him coming up in the circle. Um, Some of you will feel that maybe 2020 was a little bit like this. Let's watch him. Well, that guy just about made it through, didn't he? He definitely had um, stamina and willpower. If he wasn't going to go over them, he was going to go through them. Um, and so for many of you, maybe you feel a little bit like that, that we've just made it. You've just sort of scraped through to the end of the year. And if we look back over the year, we start to think about some of the things that has happened. Who could have planned what happened in March and what began, would, would it be days, would it be weeks, um, run into months, and now we're um, stirring at another year in 2021. Um, uh, looks kind of bleak on our calendar as well, um, and we think of what we've had to adopt to um, and adapt to in many different ways with homeschooling and um, with uh, Zoom meetings and um, working from home and all of those things, along with people that we've lost along the way. Many people, Andrew Brennan burying his dad today, um, a member of our church. We think of some of the great people who were strong pillars in our church that we lost this year, our own Jacqueline, Harry's here this morning, John Duke. Um, We think of Marilyn McKee and others that, you know, just were pillars and strength in our church. And so um, there's had to be um, adapting to... Um, 
an empty seat at the, at the table. There's have, had to be adapting to an empty place in a heart. And um, those are all um, difficult things. And so the year has held many challenges. And, but what I want you to think about this morning is I want you to think about the fact that you're still here. You are still here. Um, and um, we need to give thanks for that. Because the Bible says, in all things give thanks. Not for all things, all right? There are many things that we can't really give thanks for. But in the process, even of grief and loss and sorrow, we can actually give God thanks. And so um, we, can, we can do that this morning. What I want to do is I want to read a scripture from Luke chapter 5. I have it on the screen. So if you want to um, look it up in your Bibles. I've stopped putting the main reading on the screen. You've probably noticed this in the last couple of months because I'd love you to get used to looking it up in your own Bible and writing it in, underlining and messing up your Bible a little bit. There's something really good about that. Um, so Luke 5, we're going to read at 33. If you're looking at your, in your Bible at the moment, you'll see that the title of the chapter is Jesus Calls His First Disciples. That's really important, all right? And verse 33 says, Then they said to him, The disciples of John fast often and offer prayers, and so did the disciples of the Pharisees. Um, but yours eat and drink. Jesus said to them, Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast in those days. He also told them a parable, No one tears a piece from a new garment. And puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. Um, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But the new wine must be first put into fresh wineskins, um, and no one after drinking the old wine desires the new, for he says the old is better. And we know the Lord will bless the reading of his word, he always does. What I want you to do this morning, I want you to grab this truth. I want you to grab the truth that um, God always wants to do a new thing in your life. Even when the most difficult of times come along, God always wants to do a new thing in your life. I've told these couple of stories many, many times, and um, they bear repeating. Back in 2006, just literally about four to six weeks before my wife Jill died, and we were going to India, we were going out to visit Pastor Jacob, and we had to change a flight in Dubai, and um, so we literally had to get off the flight, go through the airport, go to another gate and get on to another flight. I'd never been in Dubai airport before, it's like a city, and it was the most incredible experience, and the airport was actually full of people, it was it looked like the half of the world was in Dubai Airport, and there were these massive walk-in elevators that took you from one end to the other, and then there would be a little break where people could go to different gates, and then you'd go on again. And we were on one of these such uh, moving elevators, and, um, and there was a lady in front of us, and I noticed her very, very nervous. I noticed that she was nervous, that she was holding, gripping, and she, it was almost like a white knuckle ride, and she was holding on to the, um, the, the rail um, as she moved along. And as she came to the end, the inevitable happened. She got nervous about the end, and uh, she began to step back. Well, the carnage was that there was just so many people that um, it was just going to be a pileup, and so we had to stop the elevator and get people sort of off. It was one of those moments where I got to hit the red button um, legally. And... Um, 
and, and, and we, we, we got it sorted. And then a couple of years ago, a similar thing happened. I was over visiting my son, Philly, in London, and we were coming up out of the underground, and we were coming up out of one of those big, long escalators, which are, just seems to come out of the depths of the underground. And um, about just a, a few yards from the top, I noticed this elderly gentleman um, quite nervous, and he was—he started to edge back. Now, when you're on a staircase, that's not a good idea, and especially a moving one. But I had my eye on him, and he fell backwards. And um, it was the funniest thing, actually, because I caught him like you'd catch a baby. And I just caught him in my arms like this here, and um, there was nothing I could do with him, only head on up. So I, I just sort of held him like this, and we went on up the three or four steps. We got to the top, I popped him onto his feet, and he looked at me weirdly, and I looked at him weirdly and wondered what had just happened. But the thing, those two things have always made me think about how in life we don't do endings well. Endings are difficult. And when we come to year endings, most lots of people, I, I love New Year. I love the fresh start. I love the sort of being able to wipe the slate clean, as it were, and start fresh. I love New Year's Day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. But I've loads and loads of friends who hate it, who hate the year end. They hate the fact that they're getting older. And so a lot of people don't do endings well, all right? But when we come to kingdom life, there are no endings. There's no endings in the kingdom life. There's always only beginnings. There's always only a fresh start. Um, you'll remember last year we lost our very own Anne U. Pritchard, and Anne said this in, in the little video that she made prior to her death. She said that even when it's over, it's not over. It's only just begun. And that is so true. For the believer, the best days are always ahead. Even if you were to go home to heaven tonight, the best days are still ahead. So the best days are always ahead. And you say, Phil, how do you know that? Well, um, if you were to hold your breath for two seconds and then let it out again, you would know that you're breathing. And the Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. That's how you know. And so he wants to do a new thing in your life. I have no doubt about that. And so sometimes as we come to this end of the year, uh, at, the, at the end of every year, we can start to think about things that we want to do. And we, we will think about our weight loss plan. We will think about our diet plan. We will think about... Um, we will think about maybe some home improvements that we need to do. We'll think about all kinds of different things and we'll start to put them into some kind of a rota or a diary or a calendar of how we want to do them. And very seldom do we actually think about how to deepen our relationship with God, hence our reading plans and fasting to kickstart us into that because we need a strategy to keep our souls right. And it's really important because if we, don't, if we don't orchestrate this in some shape or form, it won't actually happen, all right? If we just wait and, and put it off and procrastinate, then it won't actually really happen. And so what I want to do this morning, just really quickly, is suggest a few tools to you that, that can help as we come to the end of the year. The first thing I want to say to you is that we need eyes that see. We need to see what's going on. And if ever there was a time that the church needs to waken up and open its eyes and see what's going on. It is this day in which we live. When you look at the text, I said to you at the beginning of the text, it says Jesus calls his first disciples there, and they're asking him, 
Why, why did the Pharisees fast? Why did John's disciples fast? Now, what the Pharisees did, the Pharisees were really good people. Sometimes we sell them short, but they were actually really good religious people. They were very upright people. And, um, and so they would fast two days a week. They would fast on a Tuesday and a Thursday. That's what they would do. And they would, they would do that every week. And, um, but, but we need to know that the point of fasting, of course, is to get closer to God. The point of fasting isn't to lose weight, all right? That's a byproduct of, of it. The fa- fasting isn't actually um, to do any other thing other than to get closer to God. So I love Jesus' answer here. Jesus says, you don't need to fast. I'm here. He said, you don't need to fast at the minute because the bridegroom is here. You don't need to sacrifice to get near to me at the moment. Just show up. Get your eyes open. See that I'm here. And then he uses this analogy of a wedding that you don't come to a wedding and fast. You come to a wedding to feast and you come to a wedding to celebrate. And here's the problem. These guys at this moment in time still didn't actually see it. There was a new thing happening right in front of them. And there was a new thing that God was doing, but they were still trying to think in an old system, if you can understand what I mean. They were stuck in an old mindset, and sometimes it's easy to get stuck in an old church or an old religious mindset, and they just couldn't see it. They were thinking, if Jesus is going to come, if this Messiah is going to come, surely he'll come on a Tuesday or Thursday. But if I know Jesus and you know Jesus the way you do, you will know that he very seldom turns up on our Tuesday or Thursday. He will turn up on a Monday or Wednesday. He will turn up on a Friday. He will turn up outside our mindsets many, many times. So there's no point of looking God to do a new thing if you're not willing to see him a new way. And so we've got to get our eyes open there. These people, their commitment to religion eclipsed their ability to see their invitation to relationship. So Jesus was inviting them into a relationship, but they were, they were, they were looking for an old religious thing. And they were missing this. And so they were so consumed with their system that they couldn't see their Savior, who was actually standing right there in front of them. He had come to deliver them and to save them. And so Jesus had to go through all kinds of systems and, and works to, to, to train the, these disciples over a three-and-a-half-year period. And even when he goes home to heaven in the Great Commission, it says that as they watched and saw him go up into heaven, it says still some doubted. Unbelievable, isn't it? That even they still doubted. And we know that the internet's full of stories like this of companies who fail to innovate. And I've told you many of these stories, stories like Kodak and, and, and stories like Nokia and Blackberry and, and companies that just didn't innovate. One of my favorite ones is the Black, Blockbuster one. I think I've told you it maybe uh, at least once I've told you Toys R Us, places like that. But the... Um, Back in the day, as some of you will remember, back in the day, you used to have to go and hire a video if you wanted to watch a movie, and it was a bit like a book in a box. And so you went to the video store. Some of the young people won't believe this, but it's not that long ago. And you would go to the ExtraVision, and you would have your little card, and you would go, and there would be all the sections. There'd be horror, there'd be comedy, there'd be thriller, and then there'd be the, the cool section, new releases. That's the one everybody went for. And you went to the new release section and you stood and maybe the movie you wanted was out. And so you'd go to the desk and say, you'd name your movie and you'd say, Is it, do you know if any's coming back in today? 
And the girl or the guy would say, well, there's two out and they're due in today. And you say, well, I'll wait for 30 minutes. And so you're standing waiting for your movie. And then you had to bring your movie home. You put it into your VHR, and that's what it was called, your VHR. And you'd watch the movie. And when it was over, what would you do? You'd rewind it. Rewind your movie. And you had to bring it back because if you didn't bring it back, then you got charged extra. And... Um, the blockbuster people in America had, had 90,000 employees at their peak. In the 90s, they had 90,000 employees. They owned 6,000 stores. And their, their profit was $6 billion a year. $6 billion. And $800 million of that came from late fees. <laughs> and I know that because I was one of those people. And... Um, and, and and so what happened was, in the year 2000, just 20 years ago, this little firm that had just begun called Netflix approached them and said, we've come up with a new idea. And this new idea is that people won't need to go to the store to get a movie. They'll actually, we'll send them the movie. And they will watch the movie and then they will post it back. And Blockbuster said, no, 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 that's nonsense. People love our stores. People love coming in, looking through all the sections and laugh them out of the room. And what Netflix were asking, they're saying, you invest in us, you buy our company, give us 50, they were, they were looking 50 million, you give us 50 million, we will give you the innovation of what's happening in home entertainment. Of course, they laughed them out of the room. A couple of years later, when things were starting to go into decline, Netflix approached Blockbuster again. And they said, we've innovated a little bit more. Because what will happen, when we've, we've even got away from the sending the movie out, the DVD out, and then the people returning it. What we're actually, what we're actually suggesting is that we, we, we sell the movie and the person buys the movie and downloads it onto their system and it's theirs. And Blockbuster said, are you mad in the head? We're getting $800 million a year from late fees. Why would we ever do that? And of course, laugh them out of the room again. Now, the rest is history. And you'll know the story of Blockbuster, because Blockbuster, within something like three years, actually, here's the story. What they did was they, they, they closed every one of their stores, their 6,000 stores. Every one of their 90,000 employees lost their jobs. And the last movie, I kid you not, the last movie that was rented out of their last store was called This Is The End. Google it, you see. It's unbelievable. The very last movie that they hired out of their very last store before they closed it was called This Is The End. The problem was something new was happening and it was right in front of their very eyes. But innovation, they missed it. They, they were so stuck in an old system that they missed the new thing that was happening. And someone said this, and this caught me. Someone noted that the problem was that they thought they were in the video business instead of the home entertainment business. And, and, and I thought, wow, they had the wrong identity. And you see, if you have the wrong identity, you'll end up with the wrong mission. If you, if you have the wrong identity, you'll end up with the wrong mission. And so it's so important. If you can't understand who you are, you'll never figure out what to do. And if you can't figure out who you are and you don't know who you are in Christ, you'll never know how to fulfill that mission and that call in life. And, 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 and if you get that one wrong, you get it all wrong and you miss, you, you, 
while God's doing a new thing, you'll get left behind. And this is what happens with these companies. And the startling news about this is, and this is a sad thing, is you can't miss it. You can't miss it. Scripture is full of too many stories about this. Adam, Samson, Paul, um, Solomon, Judas, Ananias, Sapphira, who had times in their lives, even, yes, the great apostle Paul, missed the timing, missed the timing because he hadn't got the identity right, and on and on we could go, but we need to move on. The second thing is spiritual alignment, and this is really important and really, really quickly because the Bible says this, and I love this verse. It says in Isaiah 43, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. It's happening. Do you not perceive it? All right? Now, when, when, when the prophet Isaiah says, do you not perceive it, what he's actually saying is they're indicators, folks. There's indicators. And the thing about the indicators is that you probably won't see them in the flesh. You will only detect them in the spirit. And if you walk all the time in the flesh, you'll miss the spiritual indicators. You must be walking in the spirit. And 2020 has been a different year. It has been a difficult year. It's been a year with much change. And 2021 looks to be starting with a similar trend. And if you're studying the same Bible I am, you've got to know that God is up to something. You've got to know that God is in the middle of this, that God is working this thing out. Now, here's, here's a few facts, right? Look at this graph. Um, you'll, you'll see that at, at, along the bottom line, you'll see that uh, it, way back from 1050 um, and, and how the, the line runs right through to, to 1900. And if you can cast your eye, I think it was about 1850 there. If you can cast your eye to 1900, there was a billion people alive on planet Earth. One billion. 120 years ago, there was a billion people alive on planet Earth. In 1900, the, 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 the incline started to rise dramatically. To this moment in time, if you go on to the world population clock, you'll probably find there's just shy of 7.9 billion people alive on planet Earth. So it's 7.8 billion and rising, almost 7.9 billion. So, so the world has grown by 7 billion people in 120 years. That's quite interesting. I find that really interesting. And I'll tell you why I find it interesting. Now, I'm going to suggest a couple of things to you. And they're just suggestions, all right? The Bible says of the return of the Lord, nobody knows. Nobody knows it, all right? Of not even the angels in heaven know it. And it's dangerous to predict. And we can see all the predictions and prophecies in America over the last year around the whole Trump thing and everything like that, how dangerous those things are. And so I'm not making any predictions. I'm making a few suggestions, suggestions this morning to make you think. If you've been about Emmanuel long, you will know I, I love the whole study of covenant. And the Bible has hundreds of covenants, and, but they're, they're, it's based and written around nine massive big covenants, the big hurry ones, I suppose you would call them. And so if you see at the top, I have the word everlasting. So the everlasting covenant of God is this, that from everlasting to everlasting, you're a God. So everything falls under that everlasting covenant, all right? And then what happened was God made a covenant with the ground, with the earth in Eden, okay? Um, of course, Adam and Eve came into the, into the garden of Eden and, that, and sinned, and you'll see the decline, they eat of the knowledge, they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God then had to take them out of the garden so they couldn't eat of the tree of life, um, or he would never have been able to redeem them, 
all right, if they, had, if they eat of the tree of life. And so he, they, they fall into the depravity of sin. And then you can see the turnaround of the ladder. I call it the redemption ladder because every one of the covenants are redemptive and they're all blood sacrifice. So blood, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. And the step by step, the big covenants with Adam and Noah and Abram and Moses, and then with Joshua going into the new land, sort of revising I call it the Palestinian one because it's sort of revising the Mosaic covenant. It's a sort of a, 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 an upgrade of it. And then you've got the covenant with David that is almost, almost New Testament as ever you've seen. All right? So with David's covenant, with David's covenant, um, there's a blood sacrifice. And then for 40 years, there's no other blood sacrifice. For 40 years, there's worship, 24-hour praise and worship. And it's almost as New Testament in the Old Testament as ever you could see. You should study it sometime. And then there comes the new covenant where Jesus dies on the cross. And he, he's reestablishing. I drew it like this because what he's doing, he's reestablishing man back to his rightful calling in Christ. Now, um, what I did then, some of you have seen this, I'm sure, many times. I, I put that onto a straight line. So that there um, is onto a, a, a timeline. And the timeline running across the middle, you'll see the, the words at the bottom are just the, the covenants. So it's, the, it's sort of the V1 on a, on a timeline. And you'll see where the new covenant comes in, all right? So the the Edenic covenant is the creational one, that's the green, and then all the rest of them are redemption in the red. And then the new covenant comes in with the crosses, and we're in that section, all right? Now you say, Phil, what, what's, what's this about, all right? Well, in the yellow, you'll see... This is just my little suggestion, all right? My little suggestion. You'll see that from um, Eden to Abraham was 2,000 years, and from Abraham to Jesus is 2,000 years, and from Jesus to the day and age in which we live is 2,000 years, all right? Now, it's quite interesting that the Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 8, do not overlook this one fact. Don't overlook this. This is important. All right? That one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as one day to the Lord. Now, people will say that just means that time is of no um, reason or rhyme or reason to the Lord. And I say, well, that's a great idea, but why did the Holy Spirit not just inspire Peter to say that? If time is irrelevant to God, why did the Holy Spirit not just say to Peter, Peter, just jot down on the page that time's irrelevant to God? Instead, the Holy Spirit inspired Peter to put pen to paper and write not to overlook the fact that one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as one day, all right? Um, again, I'm just suggesting, all right? And then in Luke 13, 32, I love this verse, Jesus um, is to go before Herod. You will, know, you will know this, that Herod is the only person that Jesus actually refused to speak to. He would not speak to Herod in a one-to-one -one basis. Some people believe it was because he had John the Baptist beheaded. He'd crossed the line, in my estimation. So Jesus never spoke to Herod, but this is what the message he sent. He said, go and tell that fox, behold, I cast out demons and perform cures today and tomorrow. On the third day, I will finish my course. Now, what did he mean by that? Well, a third day is a great study in the Bible. 
All right, you'll know that in John 2, Jesus turned up at the wedding of Cana on the third day. Why did it tell us that? Why did it not just say Jesus came to the wedding late? But it says he came on the third day. And you can study the third day right through the New Testament. It's a great study because there's a significance to the third day. So what I'm suggesting to you, right, what I'm suggesting to you, and this is for you to study, um, and I'm just throwing it out there, all right? I'm not making a prediction, but I'm saying this, that we're living in the third day. According to this plan, if we take 2,000 years from the covenant, the new covenant from the cross, it's two days. According to 2 Peter 3, it's two days. If one day is a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is one day. And and so somewhere in around, in around 2020, they know the Jewish calendar is a little bit different, but somewhere in around 2020, isn't it interesting that, that things just took a phenomenal growth rate as we stepped into the third day? And we're living in that day. We're living in that day. Now, if that hour and that time knows no man, but we are living in that time when Jesus will return. And I'll tell you why the earth has grown um, so significantly in the last 120 years. I'll tell you why. I believe this with all my heart. God is populating the earth to populate heaven. (laughs) It's time to populate heaven. And so the way he has to do it is to populate the earth. And so he, if you take the hundreds of years before this gradual rise, and then all of a sudden, boom, everything goes um, into a place that's so powerful. So there's something happening. There's something happening. And so to jump to the third and final point as we finish, maybe, maybe we just need to let some stuff go. Maybe we need to grab onto this truth that Jesus is coming back, that we're living in the third day, and God is about to return. And there's some stuff that we need to let go. Um, and this, this, is what, this is what Paul, if Paul were here, he would say, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind, and I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press towards the goal and to the prize of the upwards call. And so as we end out this year of turmoil and trouble, maybe we should let go of some shame. Maybe some guilt would be good to get rid of our old patterns of thinking or maybe just some sinful acts or depression or discouragement or low self-esteem or bad self-image to mention but a few. Maybe we should just get rid of some of that stuff and maybe we should think about putting on some stuff. We should think about putting on the full armor of God because there's a war going on and we're in a fight and we're, 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 we're armor bearers and so maybe we better, instead of trying to protect ourselves with our own little armor things, maybe we should put on the full armor of God so that we can stand against the devil's schemes. Maybe we should think about putting on the new self, a new identity. Stop seeing through an old system and putting on a new self created in the likeness of God under true righteousness and holiness. Maybe we should put on the Lord Jesus Christ himself. If you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you should put him on, that you should put him on and stop gratifying the lusts of the flesh. This is the call of God. Because here's what he says, and I'm coming to a conclusion. I'm landing it now in a moment. Um, Jesus said this in Luke 21, his own words in the red letter in your Bible. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift your head because your redemption is drawing near. What things? What was he talking about? Well, he was saying, he was saying, uh, he was saying, look up. 
Look up. Don't look down. Don't look into depression. Don't look around at the world politics. Don't look at the economy. Look up, he said, for these things. When these things begin to happen, your redemption is drawing near. These things he was talking about in verse 20 of that chapter. Nation will rise against nation. He says, Jerusalem will be surrounded by armies. I'm telling you now, the Holy Land is completely surrounded by enemies as I speak. Completely surrounded by enemies as I speak to you today. He says in verse 11, earthquakes, famines, and pestilences will happen in various places. He says there will be fearful events. Folks, the warning is out. The warning is out. Our redemption is drawing nigh. It's time to look up. And if if we look around or we look to the storm, we just miss. We be like Peter. We start to sink. I'm sure you've heard the poem about the two frogs who fell into the milk. Let me tell you. Two frogs fell into a deep cream bowl. One was an optimistic soul, but the other took a gloomy view. We shall drown, he cried, without more ado. So with a last despairing cry, he flung up his legs and said goodbye. Said the other frog with a merry grin, I can't get out, but I won't give in. I'll just swim around till my strength is spent. And then I will die a little more content. Bravely he swam till it did seem his struggling began to churn the cream. On top of the butter at last he stepped and out of the bowl at last he leapt. What of the moral of the story? It's easy found. If you can't get out, keep swimming around. And I told you about Marlon and Dory early on in the year. Just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. Just keep swimming. He's coming back. Got to keep going. Got to keep swimming. And got to keep looking up. Keep looking up. Let's bow our heads. Father, as we close out our final service of um, 2020 and we reflect on the year it's been, we want to say to you in a prophetic gesture today that we want to keep swimming and we want to keep looking up because we know that our redemption is drawing nigh. God, would you challenge every heart in home and in the building Challenge our hearts, O oh God, to be ever more mindful of your return, knowing that your return is at the door. And some things that we worry about and stress about just don't actually even matter. So God, we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.